Father, we thank you for this house of worship. We thank you that it is your house. And help us to better understand how we are to relate to you in this place. And so realizing the importance of the series that we are presently considering, I'm offering myself as a vessel fresh and anew into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear Son. And please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, so that your purpose, your design purpose might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because as I pray, and praises for victories I give, in Christ's name, amen. The text that we will be looking at throughout the series is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. These things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know and underscore how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. As we consider behaving in the house of God, I'm sure that you will agree with me that in order to exhibit any kind of behavior, whether it is a positive behavior or a negative behavior, in order to exhibit any kind of behavior, we must first be present in the house of God. Let me ask you a few questions. In your mind and in your heart, how important is church attendance? Or is church attendance important at all? In an age when our time is at a premium and there are more and more demands being made upon us, is church attendance still relevant for the generation you and I are living in? We now have access to multiple Christian radio and television stations. We have churches that are live streaming their worship. We have YouTube channels and other aspects of media, and praise God for all of those. But how relevant, how important is church attendance? Is it still important? In today's study, we are going to note three reasons on the Bible why church attendance is still important. And why I personally believe, I'm convicted in my intellect and convinced in my emotions, that church attendance is not an option. Not an option at all. First reason why church attendance is still important is because it was practiced by Jesus Christ Himself. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, fresh from the wilderness temptations, Dr. Luke recorded that Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up 
and underscore, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. It must be concluded that it was the custom of Christ at the age of 30 to attend the synagogue and to worship there. And so, because it must be concluded that that is a fact, it must also be accepted that prior to Christ entering into public ministry at the age of 30, it had already become His custom. It had already become His practice. It had already become His habit of attending places of worship for the place of honoring His heavenly Father. I want you to notice that Jesus went back to where He had been brought up. And I've thought to myself, and I've asked myself the question on occasion, which since Jesus was brought up there and since they knew Him very well from an early age, what would they have thought about Him if He had not gone to the synagogue for the purpose of worship? What would they have thought? Positively or negatively? It also needs to be noted that one of the very first things that Jesus did after His baptism and after that wilderness temptation experience, one of the very first things He did was to go to church. Now, this is very enlightening, especially since worship was the prime focus of Satan in those wilderness temptations in an attempt to breach the relationship of Jesus with His heavenly Father and with God's house. Let's back up in Luke chapter 4 and begin reading in verse number 5. And the devil, taking Jesus up into the high mountain, showed Him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. Now, underscore this next statement by the enemy of God and the enemy of the human family. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Now, hold on to this. We're going to come back to it in a few minutes. My friends, in the mind and in the heart of Jesus, assembling together for worship was very important. So important that the first thing Luke records that Jesus did after He left that wilderness temptation scene, the very first thing Dr. Luke records is that Jesus goes to the synagogue to worship His heavenly Father. There are a few things that we need to notice relative to this experience in Luke chapter 4. 
First of all, Jesus went to church regularly as his custom was despite the leadership of the church. May I repeat that? Jesus went to church regularly as his custom was despite the leadership of the church. Look at Luke chapter 4 in verse number 20. And Jesus closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, underscore, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened or fixed on him. There was a minister. There was a leader in the synagogue. Now, the Bible does not tell us if that minister, if that leader was a good minister or a bad, not so good minister. The Bible doesn't elaborate on that. Would it surprise you? Am I smiling? I love you. Can you see my teeth? Would it surprise you if I were to make the observation that some people do not go to church regularly because of leadership? It may be in relation to the pastor. It may be in relation to the first elder. It may be in relationship to a deacon or deaconess. But some aspect of church leadership keeps that individual from attending church with regularity. My friends, Jesus went to church regularly despite leadership. Now, if I understand what was going on in the synagogues and in the entirety of the Jewish religion at that time, there were not many good leaders. In fact, Jesus pulled no punches. He called them hypocrites. He also said that... Uh, they were blind leaders of the blind on more than one occasion. And yet, despite that, we find Jesus attending church with regularity. Now, listen to me very carefully. When everything is said and done, why do we go to church? Do we go to church because a certain minister is there? or because a certain minister is not there? Why do we go to church to worship? Why do we go? We should be going not because of leadership, but we should be going to worship our supreme leader, our heavenly Father. That's why we go to church. Now, I don't think any of you would stay away from church because of Pastor Dan or Sister Rebecca. I I just choose not to believe that. But sadly, there are some people not in church today in some places because of their concept of leadership. Also, secondly, Jesus went to church regularly as his custom was despite conflict. Look at Luke chapter 4, verses 28 and 29. 
And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow or edge of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. You talk about conflict. That was real conflict. I mean, they were not only upset with Jesus, a few of them. Dr. Luke said all of them were filled with what? They were filled with wrath. And they didn't just want him out of their life. They didn't just want him out of the synagogue. They wanted Jesus dead. Wow. What conflict. Question, where was the conflict taking place? In the synagogue. In that place of worship, there was wrath. There was conflict. Am I still smiling? Would it surprise you if I were to make the observation that some people do not go to church with regularity because of conflicts, their disagreements, there are differences of opinions, there are little squabbles, and so they choose not to place themselves in that kind of environment. My brothers and sisters, Jesus went to church regularly despite conflicts. Now, how can we be sure that Jesus went to church regularly despite leadership and despite conflicts? How could we be sure? We can be sure because Dr. Luke was impressed and inspired to leave us a portrait of how Jesus kept on practicing, how he kept on going with regularity. Let's continue reading in Luke chapter 4, dropping down to verse 30 through 32, and then verse 44. But Jesus, now remember, they're trying to throw him off the cliff. They want to kill him. But Jesus, passing through the midst of them, went his way. He came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days plural. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And underscore, and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, I may be simple-minded. In fact, I have been accused by some people of being too simple-minded. But as simple-minded as I am, I just choose to believe that if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And I am just simple-minded enough to believe if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. You see, Jesus is to be our example. Despite leadership, despite conflicts, you and I must keep following the example of Christ and keep practicing as Jesus practiced. His custom is good enough to be our custom. 
Second reason why we should go to church with regularity is because it was practiced by the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, underscore, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. One of the priorities, not only of the Apostle Paul, but of all of the apostles, one of the priorities was to equip others and to be examples unto others. Now, how do I know that? Let me share with you two passages. There are others, but look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1. Paul said to the church at Corinth, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And then in the book of Philippians, he reverberated that, chapter 3 and verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us, for what? As an example. Listen to me. Paul was a worthy example for his generation. And Paul is still a worthy example for our generation to imitate. Paul followed the example of Jesus. And because Pastor Paul followed the example of Jesus, Pastor Paul could say, follow me. As note is taken to the example of Paul relative to church attendance, we discover that the same elements will be seen there that he observed that were also practiced by Jesus in his church attendance. Paul went to church regularly as his manner was despite leadership and despite conflict within the church. You know who that sounds like? It sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? Look at Acts chapter 17 in verse 5. But when the Jews, which believe not, move with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them, Paul and Silas, out to the people. The leadership in Paul's day was so obstinate and the conflict was so obvious that the brethren encouraged Paul and Silas, that they need to leave that area. Look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 10. And the brethren, because of the conflict, because of leadership, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. 
Question, what did Paul do when he arrived at Berea? What did he do? Okay, he's just been sent away from corrupt leadership and conflict. So what did he do when he arrived at Berea? Despite leadership who ignited conflict in order to hinder the influence of the gospel, Paul did just like Jesus, and he kept on practicing going to church with regularity. And one of the first things that Pastor Paul did when he arrived at Berea was to go to church. Look at verse 10 again. And the brethren immediately sent Paul away in Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Wow. You see, Paul kept on practicing going to church with regularity because it was his manner. And it was his manner because of his relationship with the custom of Jesus Christ. Question. When he arrived at Berea, did he escape bad leadership? When he arrived at Berea, did he escape conflict just by going to another church? Did he? Now remember, he's not only in a different synagogue, he's also in a different city. Look at verse number 13 of Acts 17. And when the Jews of Thessalonica, remember now, he's just left Thessalonica. The brethren have encouraged him to leave. And when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the Word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, what did they do? They came thither or there also and stirred up the people or the mobs. Now, follow me very closely. We need to see this clearly. Paul had left Thessalonica. He has gone to Berea. He was going to church there with regularity, and the leaders in Thessalonica sent a delegation down to Berea to instigate another conflict there. They stirred the people up against the apostle Paul. My brothers and sisters, just by shifting locations does not necessarily mean that we are going to escape not-so-good leaders and conflict. When I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, we call it church hopping. If you didn't like the pastor, you just went to another church. If you couldn't endure conflict, you just hot to another church. Well, my brothers and sisters, it may make a difference, but there is no guarantee it will make a difference. You see, despite not so good leadership and one conflict after another, we see the Apostle Paul following the example of Jesus in regard to church attendance. Third reason why it's still important to attend church with regularity 
is because it is commanded of us. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Now, let me pause here and make an observation. Church attendance is not an option. May I repeat that? Church attendance is not an option. It is a command. I read it again. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, there are reasons sometimes why we cannot attend church with regularity. Would you agree with me on that? But if we are physically able to do so, my brothers and sisters, this is a command we must be following. Why? Not only for the benefit we get out of church attendance, but also to encourage others. Look at it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting or encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that talking about? It's referring to the second coming of Jesus the Christ. In the beginning of my presentation, I made an observation that worship was the prime focus of Satan in the wilderness temptation against Christ to endeavor to cause a breach in the relationship of Christ and His heavenly Father and the house of God. I ask you to hold on to that. Let's go back and reread Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. And the devil, taking Jesus up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. Underscore again, If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. I want to conclude this presentation by returning to that thought and making an observation. An observation that many people evidently are not taking into consideration very seriously. Listen to me carefully. Worship will also be a prime focus of Satan in the closing hours of earth's history as an attempt to cause a breach in our relationship as Christians with our Heavenly Father and with the house of God. Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13, we are introduced to a beast, a beast who has one purpose. Look at verses 6 and 7. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. 
and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Did you notice his tirade? His tirade is blasphemy. Did you notice his targets of that blasphemy? His targets are God. His targets are God's tabernacle or God's house. His, tabernacle, his targets are those that dwell in heaven. His targets are the saints. Satan is out to get you and the devil is out to get me any way he can. And he is not choosy. And his prime tactic is worship. Did you notice that? Look at verse number 4 of Revelation 13. And they worshipped the dragon which gave them power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Look at verse number 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall do what? Shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Verse 12, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Verse 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. My brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. Jesus is coming again. Can I say hallelujah? Jesus is coming again. I don't know when, but Jesus is coming again. And as we see that day approaching, you and I must make sure as we anticipate that glorious event, we must make sure that we are not violating our relationship with Heavenly Father or with the house of God. And Satan is attempting to bring about a breach concerning our practice of what Jesus practiced. And if you and I do not maintain regularity in our church attendance now, as the custom of Christ was, and as the manner of the Apostle Paul was, my brothers and sisters, what we are doing is setting ourselves up to become more successful to the practice Satan would have us enter into, and that is worshiping him. You see, worship is what it's all about. And that's why we're singing that little song at the beginning of the series. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. 
We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship Christ our Lord. Worship him, Jesus Christ our Lord. The way you and I can help ensure that our allegiance will remain to our Heavenly Father despite leadership and despite conflict is to make sure we maintain the attitude that was expressed in Psalm 122 and verse number 1. Listen, as a man after God's own heart echoed and penned, I was glad when they said unto me, let us what? Let us go into the house of the Lord. This was the attitude of David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This was the attitude of the apostle Paul. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This was the attitude of Jesus. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And my friends, this is the attitude that God wants you and I as his children to have. I was glad. Is that the way you woke up this morning? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to University Parkway, 70 Adventist Christian Church. Rebecca and I were married on June the 28th, 1970, on a Sunday afternoon. Anybody like to guess where we went that night after we said I do to one another? We went to church. On Monday morning, we headed for our honeymoon to the mountains of North Carolina. Our honeymoon was spent at camp meeting. Every service we attended, they tried to embarrass us. The honeymoon couple is here. But I thank God that's how Rebecca and I started our relationship as husband and wife. And now after 48 and a half years together, she and I can still say as a team, we are glad when they say to us, let's go into the house of the Lord. You see, behavior in the house of God is important. And we need to get there first. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for men and women and young people in this place today who have the attitude of David, who have the attitude 
of Paul, who have the attitude of Jesus, who have the attitude of Pastor Dan and Sister Rebecca. Thank you for men and women and young people who are glad to attend your house. And Father, we ask that you will help us to be examples and encouragement unto others. And Lord, I don't know when you're coming in the clouds of glory, but I can't think of a better place to be when Jesus returns, if I'm still alive, than in your house, worshiping you with brothers and sisters who love you and love one another. Oh, Lord, come quickly, but until then, help us. Assist us through your word and power of your sweet Holy Spirit to always have the attitude of Jesus concerning your house. Because as I pray and praises for victories I give in Christ's name and all God's children said in this house, amen. We sense that we have been drawn nearer to thee as a result of this kind of worship today. And as we leave this place, assist us to share this nearness with someone else. In Jesus' name, amen.